Welcome to The Secret Life of Dietitians. I'm Laura Poland. And I'm Amy Keller. Today we have expert edition. I'm so excited about this one. I have been waiting to interview my friend and colleague, Abby Benzman. And we're going to talk today, you know, it feels like it should be easy to feed your kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm a parent, you're a parent yeah. too. And yep. it feels like it shouldn't be something that should be a struggle to get kids to eat. But I think it is, and I think parents struggle with, oh, my kid's not eating enough healthy foods, or maybe they are eating only a few foods, and yeah. and even There's kids a lot of that, fear, right? You know that you're providing the nutrition that they need, right? And, and you growing, know, right? And then you know we worry about kids' weight. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. So today, that's one of the reasons we invited Abby to join us because mm-hmm. this is something that is in her area of expertise as a registered dietitian in pediatric feeding. Today we have with us Abby Benzman. She's a registered dietitian, a mom of three, and I think like both of us, a foodie. Oh, yay. <laughs> she has been a dietitian for over eight years. How is that possible? <laughs> I feel like you've hardly been with me at all. And currently works at Mary Rutan Hospital in Bell Fountain as an outpatient dietitian. Abby enjoys cooking and trying new recipes. She also likes the challenge of finding meals that hit that sweet spot, nutritious and delicious. Yeah. Abby enjoys working with clients in various areas related to nutrition, but the majority of her clients are seeking weight management. Okay. So I guess we'll go ahead and get started because this is about dietitians. So tell us how you got started. Well, I guess my interest, uh, I've always had an interest in the health field. Um, I grew up on a farm and my family has always had a garden too. My mom would can and freeze stuff Mm -hmm. from the garden. So food has always been an interest, I guess, in that way. And then I did a lot of activities and sports, too. So I I, I saw it as a way to improve fitness, too. So I ended up getting um, becoming a certified personal trainer, too, thinking I would go that route. But mm-hmm. sports nutrition isn't really for me. <laughs> um, I, having a family of my own, of course, does spark more interest, you know, you're more invested in, in knowing, about, knowing about and learning about family nutrition. But I also had mainly dealt or worked with clients that uh, want to lose weight. So adult clients primarily that are overweight or maybe have diabetes and are looking to improve, uh, improve their health or lose some weight. And I was finding that a lot of what they were telling me, you know, based on habits that they had learned at a young age, is like, well, you know, it'd be nice to start these have good habits when they're younger. Yep. If we yeah. could. You know, you hear the typical, you must clean your plate. You know, that's yeah. one. Yep. <laughs> um, my parents always taught me to clean my plate. Um, a lot more now I hear, well, you have to take a bite or you have to mm-hmm. eat this before that. If you really want some cake, you must have your vegetables. Yes, first. yes. And yeah. in theory, that sounds good because you're getting them to eat something, right? But does it really get them to want to eat that food as an adult? And I think a lot of the adults I was working with had a negative experience with 
with being fed as kids. Mm -hmm. Um, and therefore they're telling me I don't eat vegetables. I refuse to eat vegetables. Right. Uh I've heard that before too. Yes. (laughs) Yep. My husband is one of those. He talked to me. I asked him the other night, I said, why don't you eat vegetables? Because he was forced to as a kid. Uh Uh-huh. Yep. We hear it a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think I've ever put that together though. That's very interesting. Yes. It's unfortunate, but yeah. I mean, not that we have to eat vegetables, but uh, we know that it can definitely make a difference for improving health and, you know, reaching all your, your goals, basically. It can be a part of it, at least. Because hmm. um, we can only slow, you know, bring our portions down so much. We can only decrease those portions so much. And by adding a half a plate of vegetables, it can make that meal more balanced and more enjoyable. Uh, but it's also finding a way to enjoy those vegetables too, which is a challenge for a lot of people. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yep. Yep. So you kind of gave us a little bit of background on how you kind of got started with thinking yeah. about maybe, you know, working, you know, instead of working backwards you know, with adult clients kind of starting to work with kids. I will tell you that, you know, I've never been super interested in working with kids in nutrition. And I always appreciated how much you are. And how did you decide, okay, I'm going to do this. I'm going to commit to this. Have you had special training in it? I think I just threw myself in it and like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to do this. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I feel like I probably had some hiccups uh, on the way. Um, I did get some additional training and um, went to a certification training in ad- adolescent weight management. So, but yeah, the more you work with folks, the easier it gets. And hopefully, you know, they're, they're taking some good, good tools away from yeah. it all. Yeah, that's awesome. I feel like I kind of did the same thing. It's kind of like, I think as dietitians, we kind of, stumble into areas sometimes and then mm-hmm. we kind of do the training a little bit afterwards when it piques our interest right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah cool so what are some of the barriers that you see for families who want to eat healthier i think we all could probably name 10 barriers to those <laughs> i was listening to an ellen satter webinar today about food allergies and that's a barrier right there if you have a child with food allergies right yep. right for sure yep yep Yes, special needs within the family, you know, they, a parent may feel, well, one child needs to lose weight, the other one needs to gain weight, mm-hmm. but then there's other barriers of just busy schedules, um, you know, ball practice and other games and piano, because um, one of the things you know, I suggest to families is eat together, you know, sit together and mm-hmm. eat your meals together without the screens on, mm-hmm. and how can you make that happen when everyone's going here and there and there's no time to be together or there's you know different work shifts too where you know Mm -hmm. one family member works second shift and the other one works third or uh, having a picky eater in your household is a barrier too although I never want to label someone I never want a parent to label their child as being picky yes when I hear that when I hear somebody talking about that with the child in the room it's like oh yeah please don't try to label them as a yeah. picky eater. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And same with weight. I, you know, really, mm-hmm. you know, if we all eat together and serve meals family style, and I know it's a hard, a hard concept for a lot of families to allow the children to plate their own food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do see that often where, I mean, I understand it's, it's difficult to be a parent, right? We want to have some control, 
we don't want a lot of mess maybe too. So um, yeah. by plating food for them, that kind of helps with that, but mm-hmm. it doesn't give them that learning opportunity, mm-hmm. the child, the learning opportunity. Maybe one child will feel like, oh, I have to eat that now. And another child would be like, I don't want that on my plate. I'm not touching that food. Right. Yeah. So one of the solutions um, I definitely talk about um, is to eat, eat together and maybe that's not the evening meal maybe it's breakfast together mm-hmm. if it has to be or at least you know, maybe four dinners a week you're able to find a way to eat together right mm-hmm. there's a lot of research behind family meals isn't there and then like how that helps kids sort of be successful like in life I mean like it's right. it helps with yeah things outside of the fact or the nutrition of the dinner or right. the meal yeah. So how do you deal with those families who are like at ball practice or at a game or, you know, like that shift difference or kids who are, you know, kind of left to their own devices in the evenings? Right. Yeah. Some solutions uh, to the difference in shifts. You might all, all five, six members of the family be able to eat together, but maybe the kids are eating with one parent one night and another mm-hmm. parent the other night. It's not the most ideal, but it's better than the kids eating by themselves. Right. Um, and another component to that family meal is having the screens off, having rules around, you know, no phone at the table, um, having the screens off. And maybe dinner is late later some nights. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids do have more free range at that point to choose a snack. Mm -hmm. Um, but hopefully there's some guidelines set in place on, you know, these are your options for snack when you get home from school Mm -hmm. and it can still provide some structure because structure is very important for kids too. Mm -hmm. So what suggestions do you have for parents who have difficulty getting their kids to try some new foods? I know that you've talked a little bit about that. Just take a bite. Yeah. Thing. And, yeah. I, you know, it kind of it feels counterintuitive to say it's OK, you don't have to, because I guess that's how maybe we were all raised, that you had to take a no thank you bite. So do you believe it? You believe that's that's OK for parents to say that's just let that go. Right. And it's a hard concept. And I think it can vary per individual because, you know, kids have different personalities. Right. Everyone's mm-hmm. different. I know my oldest does not do well at all with the take a bite. She surprises me the most. I'm just, you know, cutting up vegetables and she'll just sneak by and try some. But if it's brought to the table for her to be able to put that food on her plate or having someone else put that on her plate, she will not. So when you talk about, you know, wanting your your kids to eat the, the food that you serve, I always tell people to have low expectations. Don't expect them to like what you make. Then when they do like something, it's like, oh, okay, they did eat that. I mean, don't, don't give them praise, though, either, but um, just have low expectations. Um, if you do serve a meal that has a variety and there's something that you have known that they've enjoyed previously, that might help them mm-hmm. to feel more comfortable to then try that other new food. But don't, don't pressure it. Yeah, I think the kids pick up a lot on that pressure. And and so that's part of, I think, what sometimes kids will 
do is if they don't have a lot of control in their lives, they learn that that's something they can, can control. And Absolutely. so they kind of rebel against that pressure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you mentioned like not giving a lot of praise because I mean, you think there's probably even like positive pressure of like, wow, you did it. Like I can see parents like totally pulling that. I would probably be one of them like, oh, I'm so proud of you for taking a bite. No, like that's, it's too much. Right. It's too much. Yeah. 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 Because at certain ages, kids want to please their parents too. Right. Um, Right. Other ages, they want to rebel. So just, just not doing it ever would be the best way to do that is there a certain amount of times that a parent might have to introduce a food or is there a like at what point does the parent just sort of throw in the towel (laughs) on something like you know never give up never i was gonna say yeah never throw in the towel right i mean that's a big part of uh kids learning to try new food they have to be exposed to it right role modeling is a big part of it yes Seeing an older sibling or a parent try the food, just seeing it being around the table mm-hmm. multiple times, mm-hmm. and then they may eventually want to touch it. They may eventually want to smell it or put it on their plate. It kind of takes a while for them to even want to take a bite for some kids. And then after they take a bite and don't like it, um, then, you know, I don't know, 10 different times or more. It, yeah. You know, we mm-hmm. can't really say. And ideally, we're preparing that food in multiple ways. So it's, you know, broccoli with the dip, broccoli cooked versus broccoli raw, broccoli in a soup, broccoli in a stir fry, roasted in the <laughs> oven with olive oil and yeah. then peas on top. So mm-hmm. I know it sounds like a lot of work. You're not doing all these different different ways all at once or all right. within a week. It's over a long period of time. And, and if you have the little expectation and you know you're enjoying that food the other you know other family members are enjoying that food it's okay um and they'll pick up on it hopefully yeah. eventually i know my favorite trick that i did with my kids cuz i have two boys and they didn't always both like the same thing so kind of what you were saying is i'd make sure that there was a favorite food for the one child who I knew was not going to like what else was getting served so that I planned my meal with that in mind, knowing that I wanted something that I know this child will eat, even though this other, and I'm not making more, I'm just making sure there's an option there that the other child I know will like. And my other story with the don't give up is my I love making homemade mac and cheese. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, I have a family recipe that's just amazing and we love to make it. My kids just always wanted the box mac and cheese (laughs) because that's what they got some other place, you know what I mean? And that's what they liked. And for years, we try, you know, I'd have it every once in a while and then I'd have those other foods on the plate for them so they'd have something. I'd say, well, every once in a while I like to make it the way mom likes to eat it, you know. And, uh, yeah, eventually, though, I have to say they now prefer homemade mac and cheese over the other. And eventually they ended up, you know, getting involved in actually cooking. And when they actually made the macaroni and cheese Mm -hmm. themselves with my dad once on vacation, they were hooked. And then they ate it. So don't give up. Yeah. (laughs) Right. I know that's one of the strategies you've, I think you've talked to me about before is getting kids in the kitchen. Yes. And it goes back to though that like, I don't want to mess 
thing, you know? Oh, yeah. So how do you, like, how do you work with kids of, or, and parents to say, like, here's what's appropriate for your child to be doing at, at a certain age? Yeah, I, it's first being okay with, there probably will be a little bit of a mess. And maybe they start out at a young age uh, with plastic knives, with cutting up something, or just stirring something, or putting, dumping ingredients in. I'll, you know, I'll have, oh, Cece, probably when she was three or four, well, maybe not two, but three or four, she would, I would give her it, and she would just dump it in. Pretty mm-hmm. simple. There's also things like uh, Chop Chop Cooking Club which is kind of neat. Hmm. It's an app and it's free and uh, it has challenges. So like the first thing is a smoothie and they, you know, put that together and then they earn a badge for doing Hmm. that. And then it kind of goes from there. Oh, Um, that is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But really just being a part of it, maybe for the parents, it's just designating one day a week. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're going to cook together this Mm -hmm. night. Or even having the child participate in, like, selecting the foods, going Absolutely. to the grocery. I mean, nobody wants to take little kids to the grocery. Nobody <laughs> wants to do that. You know, that that's that's sometimes more trouble than it, yeah. it's worth, it seems, sure. time. Like, but, it, you know, maybe to a farmer's market or, or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura, you've mentioned having uh, your kids having favorite foods, too. But it doesn't sound like you were a short order cooking like a restaurant either. Of, Absolutely um, not. <laughs> so what so, do you do? But what do you do? Like, I mean, and this is what I hear and you hear, I know you hear it too. Well, the child won't eat. Right. They won't eat unless I make, my my um, my husband's son ate apparently chicken nuggets and french fries for like three years. <laughs> like, and like, how do you, what do you do with that? As a, as a... Um, it's, it could just be a stubborn kid and they're testing you out. It might be, you know, well, you don't have to eat, but just sit with us. And then they might surprise you and yeah. decide to eat something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does help if they do have a little bit of a say in what's, what's for dinner. So, but that's not always doable right away. So let's say you're already making dinner or you already went to the grocery and they're like, but I really want those chicken nuggets. You know, okay. We'll have those later this week. Not right. tonight. This is what I prepared. Yep. Um, but maybe giving them another choice of, well, with the dinner I'm making, I was thinking of having either corn or peas. Which would you like? Or mm-hmm. maybe fruit is more their thing. So would you like grapes um, or applesauce? And mm-hmm. then they're like, oh, I get a choice. So they might get more excited about that and then at least sit at the table and maybe mm-hmm. only eat the fruit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, and just if you know, a parent can just be okay with that and not worry too much. Are they going to get enough? Mm-hmm. I think that's a big worry as parents, right? Right. Yeah. We don't want them to go to bed hungry. I've heard that before. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah. They, they'll be okay. They'll probably make up for it at another meal. They still need that structure of, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner, snacks in between, probably two mm-hmm. different snacks throughout the day. And they still need that structure and, and some, some guidelines and limitations, I guess. Right. I always had the, if they didn't eat their dinner and they got hungry pretty quickly, you know, after the meal, there were options. Okay, then you can have a bowl of cereal, you know, with some milk. And that was always an option. Mm-hmm. Or you can make yourself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, you know. Yeah. And 
that type of thing. But then they're making it. I'm not. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when yeah. I get older, that's an easier thing to do for yeah. sure. But yeah. You had mentioned preparing vegetables in different ways. I mean, we've seen those cookbooks maybe, you know, in the last few years of people, you oh, know, pureeing stuff and hiding it and things. What do you think about that? When I was listening to the Satter webinar today, she was like, the speaker was like, don't do that. Don't hide the vegetables. What do you, yeah. what do you think about that? Yeah, I think I agree. You don't want it to the point where, oh, I know, you know, my, my daughter or son hates this vegetable, but I'm going to sneak it in anyways. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It'd be better to have them involved in like, hey, let's make these muffins that have spinach in them. It'd be really cool because spinach is green and it might give up. They might look like the Incredible Hulk when we're done. Oh, you know, that's so fun. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So that, I guess that's what I would do instead. So maybe they're kind of hidden. You don't notice them, but yet they know about it still. Right. Yeah. Um, that would be my approach with that. Yeah, I always felt like it was important to be honest with them as to what you yeah. did. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And we were kind of talking about uh, snacks, too, and I wanted to bring up, at least with my, my kids, sometimes they, they want a treat right away after dinner, mm -hmm. which I, I've tried to do a treat as part of dinner. Yes. Um, as much as possible. And then make that after dinner snack less appealing. Just so you, because a lot of the times it can be boredom. I mean, I don't know for sure because how can I tell if they're hungry or not? They're growing. Um, yeah. You know, they go through different growth spurts and they may be more active one day. So it's really mm -hmm. hard for a parent to determine how much your child should be eating. Right. So they should be able to decide how much they're eating. And then parent decides what we're having and when, going back to that structure. And so with that evening snack, though, I find, at least with my oldest, she kind of delays going to bed. You know, she wants more excuses to not go to bed, and the snack is part of that. Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, well, your options for snack are, I don't know, hummus and carrots or mm -hmm. something a little more boring. And then sometimes she'll go be all about it. Yeah, I'll have ants on a log, celery and mm -hmm. uh, peanut butter and uh, the raisins, the ants. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> And I'm like, okay, maybe she is actually hungry. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. Kind of my strategy with the some of the snack after dinner. Make I like it that. Less appealing. Yeah, I like that idea a lot. Dessert right with dinner, and then right. snack before bedtime is a healthy. A lot of people don't think of snacks as being mini meal, mini snack like mini meals yeah. and healthy and balanced, and that's really what it should be. Yeah. yeah. I think, you know, I mentioned this, uh, that whole dessert thing to a friend, a neighbor of ours who was struggling with the kids, you know, whole sort of holding out until they got dessert. Yeah. And she started serving the dessert with the dinner and she said it was life changing. <laughs> the kids ate their dinner. They also, you know, enjoyed their dessert because they knew mm -hmm. they could have the dessert at any time. Yes. It is amazing when they eat the dessert and then eat the regular food after. You're like, huh. <laughs> right. So, yes. It is a, a good technique for sure yeah speaking of snacks is that something like when you you know I know I've read you know quite a bit of Ellen Satter's work and talking about offering some of those unhealthier foods I guess if we have to say yeah. any food is unhealthy mm -hmm. um chocolate chip cookies or whatever as an occasional snack and let the kid eat as much as they want that's tough to watch as a it parent is. you know like your kid to sort of devour a bunch of cookies and you're thinking oh my gosh what am I doing you know right. so what are your thoughts on that yeah. Well, they're going to have free range and free access to food someday in their life. Right. 
So what I like to do for the after-school snack especially is try to have it where it's at least two, preferably three food groups. So in the case of, you know, cookies aren't necessarily a food group, but they could be served with milk, and that could help balance it out a little bit. But really it's if they're eating intuitively Mm. or mindfully, that child will you know, eat half a cookie or just, and, or maybe multiple cookies once they understand and um, that, wow, I I can't eat as much as I want. I don't have a parent limiting me. They might Mm -hmm. start out eating a lot, um, but if that becomes more of a routine, once a week we have milk and cookies for snack and I can eat as much as I want, you may find that they eat less and less of those Mm -hmm. cookies. Mm-hmm. They're no longer forbidden. It's just like anything. You know, right. more the you forbidden right, fruit. Right. The more right. you take it away or think yeah. limit it, the more the kid's going to. And then you have kids ending up sneaking it, you know. Right. See, and you talked about structure. That is something that I believe in, in is very important is the parent can control the structure. And in our house, we actually always had candy laying around and still do. And mm-hmm. my kids take it or leave it mm-hmm. and they know the rules around it we don't have sweets and treats before a meal and we never we well I don't like to say never but we don't have it in the mornings either it's mm-hmm. always at least after lunch or in an afternoon and it's always after a meal or a snack it's not standalone and right. those were my rules and my kids actually can take or leave sweets they just don't care yeah. about them so I firmly believe it's important to set up that structure and, yeah, and then it, beca- it doesn't become goal. an issue. Right. right. That's the goal, for them to take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder, you, right, when you hear about, like, Halloween candy, parents taking it away or getting it to trade in for something. And I guess, at least in my experience, we, you know, because we didn't throw it away or make him trade it in, my son would eat a few pieces and then about a month later I'd throw it the rest of it away because it was stale. Yeah. He didn't he lost interest in it. Yeah. Same here. We never did anything with our candy. We just it was there. And right. We could eat it and Or not. Or not. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when it's restricted, they want it that much more. Yeah. 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 Um, you mentioned structure again, so I can go back to that with beverages. I think Beverages are hard for a lot of families. Yeah. Uh, we want our kids to drink mostly water and milk. That's That would be the goal. Um, but there's so much out there. There's so right. many cool drinks for them to try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and we, we do want to provide more limits on even 100% juice to being you know, 8 ounces or less or mm-hmm. even 4 to 6 ounces for younger kids a day. So... Mm-hmm. You know, some methods behind that, uh, you mentioned um, no treats right before dinner, and that's part of that structure, too. So having just water to drink in between snack and dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, if they get real hungry and want to help prepare that dinner and want to munch on some vegetables, that's great. But, yeah, it's just water in between times, basically. Yeah. And there's other methods, I guess, if you were like, well, my kids really don't like water, so what do I do then? So, you know, sometimes we'll we'll talk about just diluting juice or adding fruit to water, Mm -hmm. getting that, you know, fruit-infused water, kind of like lemon added to water. Uh, You can use frozen fruit in your water for just Mm -hmm. a little flavor. 
maybe a cool water bottle would be fun for them. Yeah, you know? if they have their own water bottle, yeah. We just did a demo today at the Ohio State Fair, oh. <laughs> my team at work uh, for Children's Hunger Alliance, and we did infused water with the kids to show them how to do that, and they loved making their own infused water, oh, cool. picking out what fruits they wanted to put in it, and yeah, it's Very a lot fun. of fun. Very yeah, fun. experimenting is yeah. good. Yeah. yeah. And exactly, if you make it fun, they'll be into it, and that's right. a big part of it. And I think another thing with beverages too is when you go out to dinner and then they Mm -hmm. do have more options i know for my kids if they did order a pop or something with their dinner again i'm not judging what they order i'm letting them at a restaurant be their own and what i did recommend though is if they had a drink instead of refilling it i would always have them ask for water when it was done Because you don't need more than one. You don't need to refill a pop. And my kids got into that habit pretty quickly, and they always did that. And even when we weren't there, they'd go out to dinner with grandparents, and they were amazed. They're like, they switched to water after they had one pop. (laughs) How did you do that? (laughs) So um, they just got used to that. And, And now they don't even like pop anymore. So I think when you get used to that being the option, it really does help but similar to desserts where they're not completely restricted correct so they're learning a way to make it still work and enjoy it yeah yeah that's Awesome. awesome yeah well let's switch gear just a little bit about weight loss and kids because this is something that I know you see in clinical practice and we see I guess just in society that kids are more overweight than ever you know, it's tricky because healthcare providers are supposed to bring it up. You know, physicians are supposed to bring it up to their patients mm-hmm. or to the to the parents. And but sometimes I don't think they're equipped to know how to say it correctly or to make the right referral to a dietitian who you know knows what they're doing <laughs> um, with this. Should parents discuss? child's the child's weight Wait. with them like what are your thoughts or if they are if, if you have a child who says am I fat what is a parent supposed to say mm-hmm. yeah yeah it's hard there's a, a lot of emphasis on weight in the media and everywhere in life not just media not just the doctor's office at school with your fellow students within your family so it's hard So, I mean, a big part of that would be just emphasizing all their other characteristics, too. Mm -hmm. You know, everyone comes in different shapes and sizes. Let's not focus so much on on your size, but what can you do? Mm -hmm. Um, And it's normal. I think as as kids go through puberty, too, it's scary to them. It's different to them. Mm -hmm. Um, They're filling out in different areas. uh, But to know that it's normal Mm -hmm. um, and everyone goes through it, you know, maybe just explaining that to them. Right. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, I'm sure kids will ask their parents, well, how can I lose weight? Mm -hmm. Um, Well, let's just let's just try to include some some good fun foods more and not focus too much on, you know, they might ask about calories. I would never suggest that they count calories or keep a really a food journal. Just, just try to include some different foods, maybe make new recipes together. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just try to steer away from 
from that conversation of weight. Try to take it to more of a health talk if you can, depending on their age. But yeah, kids shouldn't be weighed at school. You know, it shouldn't be a focus. Um, the doctor's office weighs them for well child visits once mm-hmm. a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and they can usually take it from there uh, and know the best route for, for that child and for the family. I haven't had young kids for a while, mm-hmm. but when you're at a doctor's office these days and your child is weighed, I don't know if you, you might know, do they tell the child how much they weigh? You know what I mean? Like, is that a, I don't know. I'm trying to remember if they did that with my kids. I just wasn't on my radar that much with mine, but. No, um, my oldest is five though. So, uh-huh. um, you wouldn't understand the concept, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they did say it, but I would rather them not say it. Exactly. Yeah. We we so, focus on my son's height because he's right. not quite five foot yet, and we're we're working towards yeah. five feet tall. Yeah. And he's four eleven, and uh, so we focused when he got he went right. this week for his well child, and they weighed him, mm-hmm. but they also measured him, and we were just crossing our fingers that he had hit that five foot threshold, which he has not yet. Um, <laughs> But he, not yet. Right. He did ask. I was like, you're not going to be 411 forever. It's just not going to happen. Right. Um, but he asked how much he weighed. Mm-hmm. You know, I told him what I saw, you know, and I told him, I said, you have a lot of growing to do yet. Right. Because he thought maybe he weighed too much. And I'm like, you are not going to be 411 forever. It's just because the doctor's like, you're probably going to be 511. Yeah. You know, and I said, imagine you with another foot of height on you. Yeah. You know, I think a a lot of parents don't understand that concept. Right. That, and if you think about when your child was a baby, too, they did this the same thing when they were a baby. They will grow out before they grow up. And right. so the same thing happens at adolescence. They grow out before they grow up. And so doing weight loss with any child through that age is really not appropriate. Not appropriate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You had mentioned you don't think school should weigh kids, and I think I totally am on board with that. Right. I mean, for a while it was mandated in the state of Ohio that they do. That's correct. Just, I, I don't know if it was. I don't know if they did BMI. I know they've done yeah, BMI they report BMI. cards. And yeah. again, a parent, unless they're well educated on it, you get this information and you don't even know how to interpret it. And you might have some parents who just sort of say, well, heck with it, I don't care. But then you have some parents who, you know, clamp down and think they've got to get their child to lose weight to meet some type of standard. And I just think it's dangerous. Yeah, It's not being controlled by the medical providers anymore. I don't think that they implemented that, though, in the state of Ohio. Did they? Like, I think they tried, but they had so much pushback and so many issues with it that they didn't make it ever mandate. It's a good thing. And it's a good thing. Exactly. And you think of all the negative body image and the, you know, mm-hmm. kids compare each other. They'll, right. they'll ask, well, what was yours? What was yours? Yeah. And that's not good either. Mm-mm. Yeah. That just leads to more bullying and we don't need more of that. Right. Um, and everyone grows, like you said, they, they're not equipped to understand what that single point means. Everyone grows uh, differently and maybe have always been at the 80th or 90th percentile. So it makes right. sense to to still be along that growth curve, which Mm -hmm. may be more than the average person, but it's Mm -hmm. just what's right for them. And that's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because genetics plays such a large role. I think that, you know, it's sometimes hard to explain to kids that if, 
you know, mom is short and you might be short. If, you know, <laughs> if dad is tall, you might be tall. And, mm-hmm. and with weight, it's hard to say, you know, if parents are shaped a certain way, the child's going to tend to that direction. And sometimes there's not a whole lot you can do to right. change that. Right. We all come in different shapes and sizes and we just don't accept that in this society. No, not at all. Not at all. If your doctor's office is concerned, you could always look at, you know, the the family, what what are we doing? What could we improve on? You know, maybe we do have too much screen time or mm-hmm. maybe we're not very active as a family. How can we up our activity a little bit? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about just getting on the treadmill either. Fun fun activity. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. So speaking of activity, you know, obviously, you know, kids are in tons of sports and and most children, I think, end up on sports teams and and doing those types of activities. But what do you do with a kid who maybe is not athletically inclined? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say my son falls into this category. (laughs) (laughs) He is he is, you know, computer inclined, although he does do martial arts, but he's not particularly coordinated yet. Mm -hmm. I think he'll get better. So what do you do for, you know, suggest for the kid who's not out running on the soccer field, you know, hours every week? Right. Yeah. And those, those sporting events, those team, I guess, team sports are helpful for them to learn how to get along. Um, and there's definitely some benefit to that. However, like you said, it's just not for everybody. So um, finding other ways to play or move, it doesn't have to be that, that structured sport team, whether it's a family dance night you know, something fun like that, or they're just finding other interests in art or music or mm-hmm. 4-H projects. Maybe they learn a trade, woodworking, um, or start some hobby. I know woodworking, for example, would probably be an expensive hobby for, <laughs> you know, your family's not into that, but maybe a neighbor is. or um, Probably not worse than travel soccer, though, I'm saying. Yeah, <laughs> um, my... Uh, sister and her kids they do geo trekking yes oh, fun yeah I, that so sounds there's awesome. still ways to explore get out and explore and find things I mean it could be rock collecting that mm-hmm. there's you know no no price to that it's just going around you know searching in the dirt for some rocks <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah uh, but yeah finding some some other interest basically and there are thing, other things, too, with activity at home. Um, uh, Zwerka is a fun app. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Could be just doing little challenges with push-ups and sit-ups and pull-ups and things like that. But I would try to focus mostly on, on the, fun, the fun things, the interests, the finding more interests and hobbies. That's great. Yeah. So you had mentioned recently, uh, uh, just a few minutes ago, about reducing screen time. Do you have any tips for parents out there on how to help their kid reduce screen time these days in this type of society? That's hard. That's really hard. We were were at the eye doctor the other day, and the eye doctor asked Ben how many hours he was on a screen a day. And it's it's not the stuff at home. Right. It is at school. Oh my yeah. goodness, he said it's literally the entire school day. Yeah. I'm like, that's nuts. That's yeah. nuts. And yeah, there's not much we can do about what's going on at school, right? It's learning in that case, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, hopefully. hopefully. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, trying where you can to set limits um, at home. Screen time is seen as a privilege, but you know, they, yeah, that's hard. And with my oldest being five, I haven't hit that as hard as, as others. It's coming. Um, <laughs> I know it gets worse. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, I've known some friends that just, you know, take away all the screens and go outside. You know, you get creative, find something to do. Mm-hmm. You'll figure it out but you can't use this screen right now or any of these screens right now. So just setting limits. I know there are settings within phones and, and some TV networks, I guess, or Netflix, and you can set some limits. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that is a hard one. To keep under two hours a day is um, what's recommended. Right. Especially if the kid's home alone some. Yeah, you know, um, you know, or left kind of pun intended left to their own devices, you know, during the day, you know, um, that can be tough to say, you know, two hours, and then you have to go do something else. Because if there's no parent there to say, Mm -hmm. hey, get off your get off your video game. That's tough. Right. I know. I know, like, uh, tablets can have a timer where it shuts off and you can no longer do past 30 minutes or past an hour, whatever Mm -hmm. you set it as. Um, but kids are smart too, and they probably could figure out how to get past some of those. Um, so, giving yeah. them chores and things to do, maybe a list. Um, you need to have this accomplished by the time I get home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good way. Yeah. yeah. We know it affects their sleep too. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. What about yeah, another structure, you know, another restriction or guideline on that of no screens after. I don't know, seven or eight o'clock, depending on what time they go to bed. So maybe there's a whole hour before bed of, of no screen. Yeah. Um, how do you enforce that? Uh, you know, that might be different um, depending no, on your household. Yeah. But. No screens in the bedrooms either. Yes. My favorite story is when we moved into our house mm-hmm. and um, we let the kids pick their rooms. They were four and five at the time. And Nathan picked the room that had a TV in it. Of course. <laughs> he didn't realize that that wasn't our, like, like the house doesn't come with all this stuff in it. And so he was terribly disappointed when we moved in and there was no TV in his room. And we were like, no, you're not allowed to have a TV in your room. We had no idea that's what his expectations were either. He was so disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> That's very funny. <laughs> Much easier if you start them off, you know, with the right foot, where no screens, no TV is ever in a bedroom. Right. Starting off right away when your, you know, baby is a newborn or infant and trying to get them to the table, the family meals, mm-hmm. and no TV is on uh, mm-hmm. during that time. And that's a hard transition. I remember being in college and uh, always eating by this in the living room by, with the TV on. You right. always so yeah. that was a transition even for me in our household. Like, we're, we're not having the TV on at dinner. Mm-hmm. Um, no TV will be in a bedroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, just trying to set that at the beginning if possible. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I think, you know, we, we talk about that importance of sleep. And that's, yeah. you know, you have kids who are up so late. And, and that's, that's not good either. Mm-hmm. Kids who are, you know, falling asleep with their cell phone under their pillow. Right. You know, so they don't miss something. And Ugh, that's, yeah. How do you how do you suggest parents structure sleep, if at all possible? Right. Routines routines are good. So mm-hmm. if there's a certain time, you know, maybe they need to be in bed by nine o'clock. 
and you start the routine at 8.30. Of, mm-hmm. and, and they know what to do between 8.30 and 9. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it brush my teeth? Is it take a shower? I, you know, that routine is different for household, but mm, sure. they can get those things accomplished in that amount of time. Yeah. 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 Well, we want to thank you again yeah. for being with us this evening and taking some time to kind of pass on your wisdom. Yeah. We will add a couple of links to our show notes, a couple of things that you mentioned, the Chop Top app and Zverkit, we'll add that. Yeah. Um, we'll also maybe put some links to some things from Ellen Satter yeah. um, to kind of get parents thinking about that. And again, we appreciate uh, you know, all of the good advice that you've hopefully passed on to yeah. some parents because, you know, it's not as easy as it looks, No, you know, to feed a kid. You think, especially when you, before you become a parent, you think, yeah. well, this is going to be really simple. Yeah. And until you actually do it, like, right. you don't get a concept of how sometimes no. difficult it oh, can be. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Thank you well, so thank much. You. Yeah, thank you very much. And Thanks for having me. We sure. will... Um, have, if you have other ideas for future shows, I encourage you to visit our website at www.secretliferd.com. Or you can email us at dish at secretliferd.com. And we look forward to seeing you again in a couple of weeks wherever you get your podcasts.